You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the PropG Markets podcast. For nearly two years, PropG Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, Prop G Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer? It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck right here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're having a great week. Huge couple of weeks coming up for the UFC, and it begins this Saturday with UFC Vegas 11, headlined by the welterweight grudge match between Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. We have tons of coverage in regards to that event, including the last in-depth interview Colby Covington did before the fight on Saturday. He's got the press conference with Tyron later on today as this drops. I know he's done a couple of quick shots this week as well with with some various reporters, but full-on Colby-style interview... Go back into the archives and check that out if you haven't seen it yet, because that's the last time we've heard from him in in the way we're accustomed to. But this is a really fun card on Saturday. We got Nico Price versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone in the co-main event. We have Hamzat Shemaev versus Gerald Mearshart. I am so fascinated by that fight. One of the more fascinating fights on the card. Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart. We got Mackenzie Dern versus Random Marcos. And then Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann. That's your main card. Prelims are great too. And then that event's going to lead right into UFC 253 next weekend in Abu Dhabi. That's going to begin a five-week stretch for the UFC on Fight Island. And of course, you, you know by now the promotion has been tremendous. UFC 253 We get Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa for the middleweight title. That's the main event. And then the co-main event for the vacant light heavyweight title, Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blahovic. So there's no slowing down for any of us. So with that being said, let's just get right into this thing. Let's run down the lineup, get right to our first guest. Rounding us off, if you missed it, we dropped this conversation late Monday afternoon. But if you didn't catch it for one reason or another, if it's been lost in the shuffle since then with all the UFC Vegas 11 stuff going on. We're going to replay our chat with slow Mike Rodriguez coming off that craziness last weekend at UFC Vegas 10 against Ed Herman. I don't need to go into it anymore. You guys have heard all about it. You've seen it. But we're going to hear from Mike himself if you haven't checked that out yet. He handled it with a ton of class. And uh, that's how we're going to put a bow 
on this week's show. Speaking of UFC 253, before the two title fights, there's going to be a really fun one at 125 pounds on September 26th between Kai Car France and Brandon Royval. Brandon's going to join us once again to preview that matchup, talk about his first camp as a full-time fighter. That was a, a big story coming out of his UFC debut win over Tim Elliott. He wanted to get a bonus so he could put his two-week notice in and quit his job and focus on fighting full-time. Well, he's doing that now, and some surprising faces have joined him for this fight camp, and we'll also be joining him in his corner. You'll hear more about that coming up. Always enjoy chatting with the Raw Dog. Yeah, that's his nickname. We just got to live with it. He tells the story in, in a past interview if you want to find out about that. Kevin Holland's going to join us in around 20 minutes. He takes on Darren Stewart to kick off the main card on Saturday night at UFC Vegas 11. The interview is a little chaotic. I'll explain more about that coming up. But first, the feel-good story of UFC Vegas 10 was Kevin Kroom, a 13-year journey led to a dream coming true. He got the long-awaited UFC call a couple of weeks ago. Then it was taken away, which he'll explain in the conversation. And then it comes again, and he puts away Roosevelt Roberts in just a matter of seconds via submission, lands this massive overhead left, chokes him, gets the tap, and what a moment. So we had to have him on. We had to have him on. So kicking us off this week on What the Heck, my chat with Kevin Kroom. All right, well, Saturday night had some some great moments. One moment surpassed them all, and it's because of this man with the shades, Kevin Kroom, makes his UFC debut on super short notice, last minute, and submits Roosevelt Roberts in a matter of seconds. And I'm happy to be joined by the hard-hitting hillbilly right now. It's been like five or six years since we've had one of these chats. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing uh, I mean, phenomenal. Obviously, uh, things couldn't be better. <laughs> Yeah, what a, what a story this is. I mean, what what a road it has been, a 13-year roller coaster ride. You kept at it throughout all of the ups and downs, and you finally made it to the UFC and delivered a performance like that. You're smiling. I'm sure it hasn't even left your face, but does this seem real, or has it been like a blur since Saturday night? Uh, I mean, yeah, like, you know, I mean, it's starting to sink in, you know, starting to get paid a little bit, so, you know, uh, that, that makes it a little bit more real, but, I mean... Yeah, man, it's still just amazing. I'm on cloud 22, you know? <laughs> so I, I do want to go back a few weeks because you were slotted to fight Alex Caceres, and then like a day or two later, we found out that was no longer happening, and then I guess you were, I mean, temporary, temporarily released would be the right way to put it because you're right back at it, but right, ultimately right. you got your shot after all. But can you talk about what happened a few weeks back? Uh, I, I, I tested for the, the Rona. Apparently I had COVID, man. I mean, I had no symptoms. There's no, like, I felt amazing. None of the people, like, I was around had it. Like, uh, uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know what happened, but whatever. Uh, minor setback, it obviously was a roller coaster of emotions, but uh, whatever. Like, uh, I kind of, kind of used it to my advantage. I feel like, uh, I feel like this time I was back for the for the first time, you know, like uh, I'd already experienced a lot of emotions with it. You know, I mean, 13 years I've been waiting forever for this. So obviously a lot of emotions with it. So I felt like I got those out of the way on my first experience. And then I was able to just really focus and, and enjoy the moment and soak it all in. 
Yeah, I was I, I was I was speaking to one of your teammates, Jeff Molina, after he got the contract yeah, in the contender man. series, and he told me like his whole corner tested positive, so he had no corners, and then. I think yep. you flew out and then you were going to try to corner him and yep. then you tested positive. Like that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's rough. Crazy. Rough. Yeah. Roller coaster. <laughs> so, so you get this other opportunity and timing works perfectly for you against Roosevelt Roberts. He was supposed to fight, fight Matt Frivola. Then on Friday morning, we found out that you were in, how did this happen? Like, when were you given the heads up that you were in for this fight? Uh, I got a phone call. At, I was like doing medicals so I could get, get uh cleared to fight and uh i was like pulling into the doctor's office at like 2 15 on thursday got the call uh had to like finish medicals rush home had barely uh five minutes at home to grab grab my mouthpiece and whatnot uh ran to the airport as fast as possible got to the plane like 30 minutes before boarding uh found found my coach sat down next to james and was like who am i fighting you know what i mean like i, I didn't even know it didn't matter like like whatever uh <laughs> and uh i mean we still didn't even know like i still had to do medicals after i weighed in so like i left i left the apex after weighing and went and immediately did medicals and stuff so like i mean i still didn't technically know like weighing in I, I was pretty sure i was a ufc fighter but i still wasn't sure you know what i mean like until i started throwing hands so <laughs> so when you were getting your medicals before you went to the airport and getting all those tests done in case something came up like did you know something might be happening or were you just doing that just in case yeah well there have been a few a few things like i uh i was offered a fight like the week the week after like uh, I I got a uh, negative Corona test and I sent it to the UFC and then they called me that day and asked if I could make 45 in 12 hours and fly out there and I said yes and uh, then then uh, that fight ended up falling through but after that Sean Sean Shelby said uh, just stay ready and we'll get them in so I mean I knew I knew this was coming I I've you know been been working really hard so I, I i knew it was about to come so it was just a matter of a matter of holding on and seeing how long seeing how long i could hold out before i ran out of money <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say because you put out this tweet earlier this week that on wednesday yeah. you had 64 dollars in your bank account and you yeah. were trying to find a way to make it to 65 like is that is that true like what was that like yeah. for you looking at your bank account and seeing that number yeah well i mean uh Unfortunately, I'm pretty used to that. <laughs> so I mean, it's not that not not too crazy. Uh, I just you know my my job. I work construction, or you know, I mean, I I have work construction. But uh, so at the beginning of the summer, I had a nice little a nice little chunk of change. But uh, I fought in August, and so I took like a lot of time off of work and just lived kind of off of my savings. Um, to get ready for that fight and then i did well in that fight so i knew the ufc was going to be coming so i didn't want to start you know i didn't want to go to work i wanted to stay in the gym so i mean i just kind of lived off all my savings and everything and it kind of dwindled down and i woke up on wednesday and i was like well i guess i'm gonna have to like build a fence on friday and su or saturday and sunday you know so i could get a full week of training in and, and just work on the weekends uh and it turns out i didn't have to <laughs> there you go and now you're like does it feel like kind of crazy that 
you're going to look at your bank. I'm sure you're probably looking at your bank account now and seeing a lot more, but then like, you know, 30, 60, 90 days and that bonus check clears, you're going to have like 70,000 and $64 yeah. in your bank account. Like are you prepared to see that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I woke up today with more money than I made last year in my bank. So like, I mean, that's pretty fucking dope, you know? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I can only imagine my sister sent me a message today and she told me that if I don't, at least cash that out of the bank and make it rain in my bedroom one time. She doesn't even know who I am anymore. And uh, I told her that's a really good point. So I think I'm going to have to do that with at least 20 grand. When do you plan on doing that? And are you going to put this on your social media for the world to see? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Wait until that bonus check comes in and, and I'm going to make it rain for sure. So I, I had actually interviewed you years ago before your Shamrock FC fight in January 2015. It was one of like the first maybe dozen interviews I had done in my career. But the first time you really got on my radar after that was at the beginning of 2017, because I'm a New England guy and you had a chance yeah. to fight Matt Bissett for yeah. the CES featherweight title. And you guys beat the hell out of each other for about 10 minutes until Matt finally finished it in the third round. Like yeah. you must remember that fight because Matt talks about that fight all the time being probably the most pivotal fight of his career that ultimately led to him getting a shot at the UFC. Do you remember that fight fondly? Uh, no, I mean, I don't remember it as fondly as <laughs> he does. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously man, I think Matt, I think the world of Matt, I think he's spectacular. I love the guy. Uh, it seems that we have a lot in common. He's a, he's an amazing fighter. Uh, he's got great taste, uh, you know. Um, yeah, man, it was a great. It was it was a good fight. Uh, not my best. Not not something I'm super proud of, you know. But uh, whatever. I mean, it's, it's an entertaining fight for the fans, I suppose. I am an entertainer, so. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, you would have rather walked out of there with with a championship belt and and a victory, yeah, but still. Yeah, I mean, I could have. I could have just done things a lot smarter. I could have, I could have fought a lot smarter. I'm fighting smarter nowadays. I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready then. It was, uh, you know, uh, it was a great fight. And yeah, I mean, I just, I just wasn't, wasn't ready for that level at that moment. You know I mean? He's, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. So you took like maybe a year or so off after that fight. I think you were scheduled for something like two months later and then it never happened, but you yeah. go two and three in your next five. But then since that Bellator loss to John Teixeira, that's when things started to change for you. Like you finish crazy horse in the first round, you get a Bellator win. And then you had that win in August that you were talking about before all these UFC calls came. What, yeah. what would you say like changed for you? Because, you know, it's been quite some time since you've been on a winning streak like this. Yeah, yeah man. Well, uh, I started out young in this game with uh, a lot more balls than brains, took all on all comers, didn't listen to anybody, thought I was the baddest man ever, flew overseas, fought savages that nobody's ever heard of, all this stuff. And, uh, uh, man, like after after you get beaten down a couple times, like that kind of will mess up your psyche, you know? Like, uh, And so, I mean, I just had a lot of self-doubt. I was, I was uh, fighting with a lot of self-doubt. You know, I mean, it's just it, it was just difficult, you know, and then the losing streak doesn't help that. And then so I took that time off. I, I, I moved from Albuquerque to Kansas City after uh, the Bassett fight and uh, took 
I took like four months off of training. Like if I wanted to go roll and do some jujitsu, I did, but I, if I didn't want to, I didn't. And like, I've never done that. In like the 10 years, the 10 years at that point I'd been fighting and I just kind of took time off and tried to evaluate my situation and, and figure, figure out the route and, uh, started training at glory. And, uh, I mean, long road still, like, I mean, I still had to overcome my self-confidence and, and just trying to figure out how to do this whole fucking fight game again. But, uh, even though I lost that Macapa fight, uh, I feel like I just kind of learned some things and I gained some confidence, uh, in myself again through that fight, even with a loss. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think just that's when my dedication, I took that fight on like two weeks notice. And, um, I hadn't been in the gym as much as I would have wanted to. I'd had like had a hard winter and I'd been working like out of town to make some money. So I hadn't been in the gym that much. And I took that fight on short notice and I just realized then like after I lost that if I wanted to make this a thing, I had to be in the gym every day, like no matter what, no matter if I was starving, no matter what, like I'm, I'm in the gym and because my opportunity is going to come like that. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, I took a fight on a day's notice to wake class up. Boom. You know, so. So it sounds to me like at one point in your career, I'm pro- it was probably several points in your career, you're at a crossroads where you're just like, all right, do I, do I keep on this path and keep going? Because I'm sure you ask yourself at times, like, why the hell am I doing this? Like, I, I feel like I'm doing everything right here, but it's just not happening. Like, you know, what were those conversations like with yourself man what's what's the worst is i i wasn't i like knew i wasn't doing everything right and i knew 100 percent that i was better than what i was what i was showing every time and like i i remember after the macapa fight being with james and grant and just like crying and just being like hey man like i'm good at this guys like right like i am good like please tell me I, i should be doing this you know and they obviously were like yeah like you know we believe in you here, here we are uh but yeah man i mean it's rough it's rough to to know how good you are and it's like never be able to to show that oh it's tormenting but uh you know i mean hopefully i think i think in my last my last couple fights uh my last fight in august i just kind of learned some things and uh I feel like I was really able to show that. I know it was only 30 seconds, but uh, I, I came out. And, I mean, a lot happened in that 30 seconds, and I, I did really good. So, When did you know, like, I'm, I'm sticking with this thing? Like, no matter what happens, like, I'm staying with it. Like, when did you know, like, that, that you were going to stay on this path? Uh, I mean – it's you know been off and on. <laughs> I have to reaffirm that so long, uh, but like I mean I haven't had any doubt since I don't know probably last year about this time. Uh, things were going hard. Like I'd beaten Crazy Horse and I just didn't have any fights coming up. Uh, bills were coming up. Uh, I didn't have any money, and I had a conversation with Grant Dawson about just man I'm kind of losing faith. Bills are getting hard to pay. I, I don't know what to do. And uh, he just looked me in the eye and told me told me how much he believed in me. He told me that he he believed more than anything that I would make it. He knew it 100%. He had no doubt in his mind, and uh, just like his belief in me just helped me, helped me, you know. 
what was that walk to the octagon like for you? Like, I'm sure you dreamt it up for so many years, a little different, you know, it's a little different with not having all these people in the crowd cheering and you're having, not having your family and friends, et cetera there, but still the lights, the music, like you see the octagon and you're walking towards it about to fight. Like, what was that moment like for you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was amazing. I've, I've, I've dreamed of that, you know? And I, I think I, I, I nailed it. I, I wanted to soak it in. I wanted to take my time and enjoy every moment, you know, like I, uh, I've waited forever for it. So yeah, uh, I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen guys make their debuts like this, especially in 2020. Like I'd say Justin James is like a perfect example. He knew he had to go in there on like a day's notice and he knew he had to make it quick because he only had so much gas in the tank. So like <laughs> when he started swinging them bolos at Frank Camacho, his plan was like, I'm just going to, empty the gas tank right now. If I fail, I fail. But you know, if he falls even better, like, and the latter is what ended up happening for him. And he gets a huge win. Is that how you kind of approach this fight too? No, not at all. I mean, we kind of figured it'd be a knockout drag out thing. Uh, uh, you know, James Krause told me that, uh, you know, he'd be, he's come out, it would be a really tough first round. We were expecting he's really good. He's long. He's got a, a quick, quick, punches quick straight punches uh we you know we were planning on taking our time and uh trying to put it up against a cage and negate his length a little bit and i mean we felt like i had an advantage once i got a hold of him uh and i mean i, I feel like i i handled his length very well i mean technically i guess i had longer arms but uh i handled the range very well and uh, I mean, I couldn't couldn't have asked for a better performance. And then dropped him and then got a hold of his neck, and that's all she wrote. So this wasn't like a typical day notice fight. Like you were in great shape. Like you were ready to go 15 if you needed to. Well, I mean, I just went 25 like two weeks ago. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, like what, whatever. Let's go. What was going through your mind when you felt him tap? Like, can you even put that into words? Like, what? Uh, especially looking at your bank account and then like getting a yeah. tap like that. Well, like, what was well, that like? like? A, a, I had a lot more kill left in the tank. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't ready. Like, when I, I got done, I just, like, stared. Like, me, Mug, James, we just stared at each other. It was just, like, nobody else in the room but me and him. It was just, like, kind of, like, I don't know. It was just, like, the the killer is just, like, fucking me, mugging, you know? And then finally, like, I get done and, uh, uh, oh, man, it was just amazing. <laughs> You smiled, you roared like the rest of your team. You spoke to Michael Bisbang after the fact. You used the comb. It was really cool. And you mentioned Grant Dawson, how important he's been to you. You had a moment with him right after that interview. You guys just like hugged it out. And it seemed like he was very emotional. And it seemed like you were kind of emotional too. Like, did you just kind of let it out in that moment? Because not many people... Yeah, not many people see their dreams come true in that fashion. You did. Like, what was that like for you and Grant afterwards? Because, I mean, here's a guy that I've interviewed for years, and he's been singing your praises every single time I talk to him. Man, I mean, 100%, I am here because of Grant. Like, I know I have a lot of skill, and I've done a lot of training and everything, but in the last year working, like, pretty much solely with Grant, I have, my, my skill level has gone up exponentially i've gotten so much better and going with him really gave me the confidence to be like hey man like i am i am good enough to keep this up that kid will 100 percent be a champion he is phenomenal and uh man i'm so happy to be along on his ride and i'm happy he's along on mine i think dana white may be your biggest fan out of everybody right now you blew him away and if there's one guy you want to blow away it's that guy what what did he say to you when you walked by him after the win 
Uh, you know, the big risk takers are the ones who get rewarded, you know, uh, yeah, obviously, obviously I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. I told him that, uh, I loved him and I've been waiting to do that for him forever. <laughs> are you even, are you even thinking about the next move right now? Like I assume with the momentum you have, the UFC is going to try to turn you around pretty quickly, but are you even thinking about that right now? Or are you still still trying to like smell the roses from this one, which would be completely understandable? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been in the gym. Uh, I've trained like three times this week already. Um, you know, uh, James is, he's cornering somebody for contender series tonight. Um, he's cornering somebody on sun on Saturday, uh, for he's, uh, Derek Minner is fighting on Saturday and, uh, he'll be back in the gym on Monday and then we'll get together and talk business then. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'll fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. I feel like I'm in a pretty good situation right now. I don't necessarily have to take a fight, but, uh, if something's right, let's go. What a moment for, for you and glory. I mean, you go from $64 to $70,000, after that bonus check eventually clears, just an incredible story. But what's the message for everybody who, you know, maybe in your shoes right now, like for those who believed in you, for those who stopped believing in you, for those who thought that you were just living this crazy pipe dream for James grant and company. Like, what do you want to say to all these people that have in some way, whether positively or negatively impacted this story for you? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I just feel like, uh, you know, like there's this lyric that, that just says, like, I had no choice. I had to prove I made the right decision. And, uh, you know, I mean, I kind of I kind of feel like that, you know, like like this has always been the outcome like I needed to, to live to be happy with my life. You know, like the, the, the road I've taken, everything all this time, like this is the only thing that I would be satisfied with. And man, am I satisfied. So, you know, I don't care if you like me. Hell yeah. Keep riding. If you don't kick rocks, let's go. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Like this is one of the best stories of the year without a doubt. I, I couldn't be happy for you. I'm glad Thank we got you, to catch I couldn't up. have written it better. I couldn't have written it any better. It's, it's just amazing. You know? Yeah, this is a 30 for 30 someday. Kevin Cruz debut in the UFC. <laughs> but man, five years went by. And now, uh, you know, both of us stuck with what we wanted to do. We went through the grinder, made our dreams come true. So this is just Heck such yeah. an inspiring story, man. Let's go. I, exactly. Oh, what, one more thing. We'll change gears real quick just because huge fight coming up on Saturday. We got Covington versus Woodley. It's a big one. Who do you yeah. like in that one? Uh, man. Obviously, I, I, I like both of them as athletes. They're amazing. To be honest, I kind of want Covington to win. Uh, you know, like, his whole day, like, whether you like him or hate him, he's an amazing fighter. And, like, his shit's entertaining. You know, he's so stupid and, like, he's so outrageous. Like, he makes me laugh. And, like, I get that he's annoying and he, like, also annoys the shit out of me. However, like, he talks so much trash and he's a savage. He goes in there and, and handles business. So I really kind of kind of want him him to win for, for just the entertainment level of the sport. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, obviously, you know, Tyron, Tyron's the man, you know. So, you know, I mean, he's got a, he's got a big, a big uh, – Mountain ahead of him for sure. So you think Colby's gonna win? I mean, I don't, I don't even like to say it, but yeah, I kind of want him to, unfortunately. 
All right. I mean, it's one it's one thing to want him to, but it's you know maybe you want him to win, but then you think Tyron wins. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, skill level, it's really hard to beat Tyron. You know, it's it's really hard, and uh, you know, I don't think Covington has the power. I mean, maybe if he can stay away from the, you know. Terrence Bauer, maybe, uh, maybe you can outpoint him and, and stay on the outside. I don't know, man. It's going to be a great fight. I'm excited for sure. All right. Fair enough. Thank you again, Kevin. All the best to you. Look forward to seeing you again, man. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's, 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 it's just such an incredible story right there. I'll be honest. A couple of weeks ago when I had found out and then confirmed that Kevin Kroom was getting the call to replace Giga Chikatse to fight Alex Caceres a couple weeks ago. I did a double take. I was I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Kevin Kroom? Holy crap. I've been following this guy for so long. I can't believe this is happening. But he got there. He made it happen. Gets a finish. Gets a bonus. Dana White loves the guy. This is what this sport is all about. This is why I got into the sport to begin with. For stories like this. So congratulations, to the hard-hitting hillbilly Kevin Kroom. What a cool relationship he has formed with the likes of James Krause, with Grant Dawson, and the team over at Glory MMA. They're really starting to, to make some big strides in 2020. Just an unbelievable story. I mean, it really is. As we go from one Kevin to another, because Kevin Holland returns to the program. He's going to take on Darren Stewart this Saturday. I'm going to preface this before we get right into this. We had a time scheduled. It took about five minutes into this conversation to realize that he was on the shuttle heading to the UFC Apex, I would assume. And not only was he on the shuttle, but half the freaking fight car was on the shuttle as well. So he has a mask on, which the story behind the mask he is wearing is pretty fantastic. I'm just going to let him tell you. Here it is. Kevin Holland joining us on What the Heck. All right, so it's become somewhat of a tradition during this crazy era of UFC. Yeah, it is a tradition. We always do this. This is what we do. Yes, absolutely. That we uh, we speak with this man, Kevin Holland, while he's in Las yeah. Vegas during fight week. It worked from the last time. Got a great yeah. finish over Joaquin Buckley, and now he's going to take on Darren Stewart this Saturday at UFC Vegas 11. The Trailblazer is back on the show. How are you, man? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, a quick tidbit before we get into this thing. A couple weeks ago, I spoke with OSP in similar fashion on his recent fight week, and you guys are both managed by the great Orrin Hodak. So, and when you do these Skype interviews, you all share the same account. So I'm getting ready to call OSP, and I hear a voice, and I'm like, hmm, this doesn't sound like OSP. And then the video image showed up and it's you shopping at the mall. Like I, I know it wasn't anyone's fault per se, but I actually felt pretty bad about it, Kevin, but here we are a couple <laughs> weeks later and now it's your turn to fight. Hey man, I, I thought it was funny, man. It was perfect timing. I, I just answered the phone. I thought it was a regular phone call. I answered it. This my man here. You know what I mean? So nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Did you get anything good at the mall during that trip anyways? Man, I probably bought like 10 pairs of shoes, bro. Oh, there you I got go. a lot of shoes, man. I got a lot of shoes, man. Well, Whether go. it was for me, the kid, the old lady, whoever, man. They all want shoes. You get shoes. We shoe fiends around here. There Sneak you go. Freaks. 
So you're you're riding some pretty damn good momentum right now, Kevin. You had the setback in Boston with Brendan Allen, but now you bounce back, back to back wins, back to back finishes, and I feel like I feel like you're on this on the cusp of like breaking that wall down. Like it's right there for you, and now you get a matchup with a guy like Darren Stewart. Do you feel like this is the kind of matchup that gets you from close to getting over that hump? But it was just something. Nah, man, nah. I think Marvin Vittori will be getting over that hump. When I smack that clown, that'll be getting over that hump. Uh, Stewart, Stewart's a good guy, great guy, man. Uh, I called him out a while back, but uh, I didn't realize how cool he was. Now I realize how cool he was. We can go in there, have a good time, man. You know what I mean? Put the smack man thing down, and then, uh, you know, man, if you want to get something to drink after, we can. But uh, Stewart, we're just we're just going to go in there and have a good time. It's about Vittori. It's still about Vittori. Don't forget, it's about Vittori. I do remember that. Um, by the way, since, I mean, you're in Vegas right now, you're cutting weight, you got people around you, so that's why you're wearing the mask right now. So for the commenters to say, oh, why is he wearing a freaking mask? That's why. What is on your mask? There's some combat sports action going on. What is this mask? That's that Smackman Central. That's the last That's the last one right there. You see that guy right there? His head's turned sideways, oh, his gloves. That's me smacking Buckley right there. That's what we got right there. Wow. Where did you get that made? Uh, my grandpa actually made it. He hated Buckley so much for running his mouth so much. He made one of these. He said, Buckley's the new image of the smack man. So, you know, <laughs> sorry, Buckley. I still got that baby blanket for you, though, Bucko. Wow. So, I mean, the, the last two fights have obviously had great results. They were approached yeah. kind of in different ways. Though. Like the Anthony Hernandez fight ended super fast, but it was kind of all business. You didn't get the chance to really talk at all. The Joaquin Buckley fight, a lot more talking, more of what we're used to seeing from you. But it was also kind of a, a calculated approach at the same time. It was a nice balance between the trash talking Kevin Holland and the guy that, that finished Anthony Hernandez. That's how I saw it. Am I in the ballpark with, with how you looked at it? Yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely in the ballpark. So Anthony Hernandez fight, I would have loved to talk, but it finished so quick that I didn't have an opportunity. You know what I mean? The Buckley fight, everybody kept asking, you know, can they get can they get some big mouth with the pandemic going on? They wanted to hear some snap talking with no crowd, and Buckley made me want to smack talk. He had little things to say before the fight, leading up to the fight. You know, a little bit of time that we had. He thought he was he thought he was big mouth, so I had to show him. You know what I mean? When we got in there who the real talker is you know what i mean we don't just talk we walk the walk you know so we do what we do what did he say that got you so fired up you know what man what he said is nothing that i want to i want to uh say again while we're doing an interview you know if you ask me after the interview i can let you know but uh he just you know he just ran his mouth too much man he thought he was he thought he was the big guy he, he was a small guy he was a little man a little man with a big chest what was your favorite moment of that fight outside of the finish from like maybe saying a certain thing and then landing a shot? What was your favorite part? You know what? When I, when I, uh, the first right hand that dropped him, uh, that was my favorite one. Cause I kind of like grabbed my lip, like, Oh, did you hit me? And then I kind of like lifted my left hand and then shot the right and he dropped off it. And I was like, Ooh, that's smooth. You know what I mean? Almost had a James Brown moment going on there. I'm going to start moonwalking this year. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in a room watching the fight by myself, and when you dropped him the first time, I actually got out, out, of, out of my chair and I screamed. And my wife texted me, who was trying to go to sleep, and she was like, what the hell are you doing downstairs? I'm like, nasty knockdown, nasty knockdown. I couldn't believe it didn't finish the fight. But you did get yourself a, a nice fat performance bonus in that fight yeah. with Joaquin. Extra 50 Gs in your bank account. I mean, you've been in the conversation a few times, but to actually get it, that must have been pretty nice. You know what, man? It was pretty dope. I thought I was going to get it on the uh, the fight before that, you know what I mean, with the fast finish. But uh, getting it that time around, it, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for it regardless. Extra 50K, I had some taxes I had to pay anyway, so that's what that goes towards. 
<laughs> yeah. So nothing lavish. I mean, some shoes and some taxes. I mean, the shoes are going to happen regardless of taxes. Now, that needed to happen. <laughs> it's it's nice to see you getting creative these days with your fight announcements, Kevin. Like, I had heard that you and Darren... Come on. Come on. Yeah. What do we got? What do we got? No, I was going to say, you know... Oh, what's going on, man? How are you? You're doing good. We got a big crowd here. This is great. A little bit, a little bit of pressure on hey, old Mike here. Mike's gonna do an interview with half the fight card right now if you want to. Oh, who else we got? That who else we got in there? No. What up, yo? Oh, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we got the energy. We got the energy. This is this is exclusive central. Hey, you guys remember there ain't no crowd when we get to the fight night. I gotta have that energy. Okay, all right, all right. Let me myself out of the show. Here we go. So, so, so the fight announcement here, because I, I had actually heard that you and Darren was all about all but done, but nobody on either side was was biting. That's the crappy part of the job. You got to reach out and try to confirm these things. But I would learn to understand why I couldn't get it confirmed from your side because you had this fun video ready to go, the dentist video on your social media to announce this fight. Like, how did this idea come to be, and what's sort of inspiring you to to get a little more creative here? Man, uh, it was like. I kind of always wanted to do something creative like that. And then Warren was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And then he had the dentist buddy. My buddy, Justin Adams, already knew the dentist guy. So everybody knew him, you know what I mean? So it just worked out perfect. It worked out smooth, man. I like to do stuff like that more often, though. Almost like doing a little music video before the fight, you know what I mean? (laughs) Did you feel like this was going to be the fight? Because you guys both fought on the last card. You both got bonuses on the same card. Did you feel like this was going to be the fight? Nah, man. I honestly, honestly thought I was gonna get somebody else, man. I honestly, was like leaning towards the Andrew Sanchez fight. He had a really good performance and stuff like that. But everybody had a good performance, so you know, whoever they give you is what they give you. Whoever wants to smoke, we blaze it up. How do you like the matchup with Darren from like an X's and O's perspective? Because you know, he he's a guy that when he came into the UFC, he was just he would stand in front of you and swing them bolos until one guy fell. These days, much more patient approach, more methodical, sees things a little bit differently than he did in the past. You've obviously grown as a fighter as well, but how do you like this one from a stylistic perspective? I mean, Charles Bird, a local guy, was kind of like touching them up when they were in Texas fighting. And then uh, I don't know where he got the knockout. So, I mean, obviously the dude hits hard. But, uh, I mean, fight's a fight. I don't care how he comes in there. I'm coming in and there. I'm throwing my right. I'm throwing my left. I'm throwing my left kick. I'm throwing my right kick. You know what I mean? And if he handles all that, I'm kicking him in the balls, taking him down and subbing him. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, don't need any, we don't need any more ball shots, Kevin. We've seen too many over the last week. Hey, as long as I'm delivering them this time, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the odds have you a little over a two-to-one favorite to win this fight at last check, and it's funny because... There are a lot of people that view you as this this newcomer prospect kind of a fighter, but you've actually been in this game for a while. Like you have more experience than Darren. This is gonna be your twenty fourth yeah. professional fight. Do you do you feel that there are some folks in this small bubble of ours that that kind of overlook your experience a bit? Nah, nah, nah. I think he has more UFC fights than me though. So you know what I mean? It's still two totally different ball games, but I have been the Bellator, I have been King of the Cage, I have been Yeah, you know what? I do got the experience. You're right. You are right. You're making me more confident as we go on. See, this is why we do these interviews. You make me a better man. That's what we try to do, do Kevin. There, there are many people that say, Kevin, and I kind of agree with this, that this is the best non-pay-per-view main card of 2020. And some say it's one of the best in UFC history. You and Darren are going to be kicking it off before it wraps up with Colby and Tyron. Does it kind of give you a sense of pride at all that, that you're, you're a big part of an event like this? I, I'm a small part of the event like this. You got Donald Cowboy Cerrone on the card. You know what I mean? Nico Price is on the card. You got freaking Tyrone Woodley, ex-champ on the card. You got a lot of guys on the card. I'm just a little smidget. I'm just happy to be there. 
But there's something to be said about being the first fight on a main card like this. You're you're there for a reason. You're the you're the table setter. Uh, you know. Well, I'll make the table fall. We good. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> who do you, who do you like in that fight between Covington and Woodley? Who do you think wins that one? I got to see like the overhead shot I can see I heard I, now I hear Dean Thomas and I'm like oh man I gotta choose my words is uh I don't even know why you would ask me that right now you could have called me back in like 30 minutes I still would have said Woodley though is is, is Shemaev on that bus too Evidently so, man. I haven't even traveled anywhere before. 
but uh, I'm so excited to be going to Abu Dhabi. But I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I, I guess my first question is, how has your first training camp been as a full-time fighter? I mean, you gave your notice after the debut win over Tim Elliott. How has that all been going? It's like the greatest thing ever, man. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's so great, man. Uh, just wake up and just work, man. It's great. Do whatever I want to do in between times. And I don't know, man. It's like a dream come true. And you get to take naps and actually get like a full night of sleep. This is this is new for you, right? Yeah, full night of sleep, man. I don't take I don't think I take much naps, but uh, full night of sleep is enough, man. Well, the nap option is there if you want it. Yeah, exactly. It's an option. It's there, you know. It's crazy, man. Coming off the win over a guy like Tim Elliott, although you weren't overly thrilled with your performance, the UFC obviously sees something in you to to book you a fight like this for your sophomore appearance. When you got the contract and you saw Kai Kara France on the other side, how did you react to that? Oh, man, that was like the coolest thing ever. And that's that's how it feels, too, because like, I don't know, but it's, a lot of it's like probably happen chance and too, but like it just feels like uh, the UFC trusts me a little bit, too. And uh, uh, I don't know. I know that's a little bit probably more in my head than anything, but I just like I said, it's just a great opportunity and I can't. I couldn't be any happier. And the Kai Car France, like, what gets you up out of bed, like, more than a, a big name like that, especially as, like, a UFC, uh, my second fight in the UFC, man. What's interesting is that you agreed to this fight before things started really coming together. You were in Vegas, and now you're in Abu Dhabi. And then the yeah. fight started to come together. You're on this massive card because you're actually going to be leading into two world title fights, one between Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz, and then headlining this event is Israel Adesanya against Paulo Costa. I mean, that's pretty damn cool, right, for your second fight? Oh, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And, like, for me, man, like, I don't know. I'd be watching this fight, be on pay-per-view, watching all of it, too. So, like, the fact that I could be a part of it is amazing, you know? You use the word happenstance, and I feel like it it's a perfect word to kind of describe when you got into the UFC because uh, you came into this division at a perfect time because, like, we have a new champion who's getting ready to fight Cody Garbrandt in November. We get Alex Perez and Brandon Moreno about to fight on that same card in November, and there's a lot of hype around guys like Askar Askarov. Manel Cape's about to make his debut at some point in 2020. You're getting this big fight on a huge card. Like, the timing is really good, is it not? <laughs> Yeah, it's the best, man. And, like, the flyweight division is not, like, a, a boring division anymore, man. The flyweight division is really exciting. And uh, I, I, I've never personally thought the flyweight division is boring. And I think you probably are, like, the same where you've always kind of been a fan of the flyweight division. But uh, you can't, like, argue that the flyweight division is boring, man. You see Askar Askarov and Pantoja put on a great show. Um, Pantoja and Matt Snell put on a great show. And, like, every time you see a flyweight out there, they're out there putting performances, uh, uh, including uh, Benavides and... Uh, uh, figure figure eight, uh, figure out whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> and then, did you did you get to work with Alex Perez for training for this yeah, fight? Like, how's that? He uh, he was in town just checking out Factory X and checking out Denver and just training with us a little bit. Um, and yeah, I got to work with him, man. That was really cool. It was a good opportunity to brush shoulders with him and like uh, just work with him and just pick his brain a little bit and just you know learn from one of the best. Did I see that young Alex Hernandez is at Factory X yeah. or was for a while? How did that happen? Alex Hernandez is going to be in my corner, bro. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's cool as shit, man. You know, Alex Hernandez, like, I guess, like, just seeing him on TV, like, I didn't know, like, how me and him, like, when he when I heard he's coming over, I'm like, I don't know how this dude's going to be, like, you know, but he's so cool. Like, I couldn't even believe how cool and, like, how chill he is and just how funny and all that stuff, man. Um he came in like after like it's a week after my fight he came and trained with us and uh 
just kind of like just checking out gyms, man. I think he's just looking for like he doesn't have like he never had a head coach before, which is like crazy to me because he's so he's so good and he went so far in his career without having like like he'd do jujitsu and he'd run his own camps and all that stuff. And it's I, I don't know, man. I just forget how blessed I am to just being a factory X fighter that. I've always kind of had like a great coach and just know what's going on, like have game plans and all this great stuff. And uh, he's been doing this all by himself and it's kind of crazy. Now he's with the team and he has actual training partners and stuff. Like I can't wait to see where his career goes. I don't, I, I think the reason why he, com- he came to our gym though is because he's managed by this guy named Jason House and Jason House, who was my manager and managed a lot of us Factory X guys. Him and my coach, like I think Jason House is really huge on my coach, Mark Montoya and uh, he, he said, all right, well, man, like, you need to go to, like, a gym. So he was checking out a few gyms, and then Jason told him to come check out our gym, and then he just came back, and he just stuck and moved out to Colorado. So uh, uh, Alex Hernandez is not only, like, a full-time – like, not only a Factory X fighter, he's a full-time Factory X fighter, lives in Colorado, and he's about to be in my corner for this fight, too. So it's great, man. It's great to have him. He's, he's a wizard, man. It's it's another dude who's bright I can pick, who, who uh, I make corner me on Fridays when we spar and all this stuff, too. How many new words have you learned from him? Because he speaks in such crazy vernacular and vocabulary. All these new words that when I interview him, like my brain is full of like new vocabulary words. Right. He must just be Googling stuff. He's not that smart around us. (laughs) No, I'm just playing. (laughs) He must be chill with a dictionary in front of him because I don't believe that. Uh, All right. He's been boxing with me, a lot of CTE and head damage, you know. I'll make sure. Dealing with that raw dog power <laughs> <laughs> i mean this fight is awesome coming up for you next saturday i mean kai's got a ton of experience he's four and one in the ufc one loss was to brandon moreno in a super fun fight stylistically yeah. we got two high paces getting ready to collide this one is is right up your alley fair to say uh, yeah this one's where i'm making 50 g's baby <laughs> i'm gonna make some <laughs> extra cash i'm trying to make money and get the hell out of this sport and move on with my life but uh yeah man this is a this is a great fight man this is great right off the bat uh right after like i I, like it it took me a little bit late like to start thinking about like where i'd go right after i'd fight um tim elliott and like like it was like the week up some like it's like some dude interviewed him he's like well if you win this fight where do you see yourself fighting next or who do you want to see next especially if you're like can go up a like up in rankings and i was like trying to think and i was like looking at who maybe like would be a good call out or who would be like a good if anybody asked me like who i'd be keeping my eyes out on you know and i thought kai car france would be the best matchup because we weren't too far from like rankings with each other if i if i won that two mallet fight so and then i just thought he was just a good matchup man i like the matchup i like his style I, i'm a huge fan of kai car france honestly so being able to fight him and being able to already have like so much knowledge on him and watched him so many times is great I think your your boy Yusuf Salal just tried to creep in here, and then he was like, "Oh snap, something's happening!" But he he, 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 just, right. he just beat it. What a year he's having, huh? Yeah. Oh my God, that fool is gonna be after he fights it because I'm gonna stay out in Abu Dhabi and uh, stay in his corner too. And uh, yeah, me Alex and I are gonna be out there for like a month, but and coach, but uh, and then I'm sure he's gonna fight the next month too. So you know Yusuf, <laughs> yeah. just popping him off, man. That was like so when he uh, when he started that fight, man, we're just going so crazy. I don't know. You said put that bad kick. Oh my god! <laughs> that, that fight was, like, was so yeah, right. It's so bad. great. He's he's definitely the future of the 145 division. And uh, if he decides to drop or if he stays at that weight class, whatever he wants, man, that kid's the future of the sport. He's so amazing. And I don't like you guys. You guys get to see like a very little of him, and what the little that you guys do see is so spectacular. 
but I get to watch this kid every day and he does so many amazing things. Like, I don't know. It's, it's just great. He's motivational and, uh, made a lot of sacrifice to be where he's at. But like, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that kid's going to be a world champion and just going to be world right now name and all that stuff. Cause he really is the future. He's like, he just turned 24 last month and, uh, four and oh in the ufc or he's about to be four and oh in the ufc and like i said man arguably hasn't even been touched like he did such a great job man i love it yeah and he's been through so many different fights where he's been through like decision wins where he just cruised the entire time he's had yeah. fights where he's had like those grindy fights with with jordan griffin and then his last fight he had to kind of go through i can't believe i didn't knock this guy out to trying to take on a, a really gritty tough guy who just wouldn't go away so he's experienced kind of like yeah. the highs and lows of, of everything at this point already yeah man, and just so young in his career man nearly getting the start of this kid this kid's right now uh, we just finished practice he's over here doing a private for some dude kickboxing private and uh, like uh, a little bit of making money but like what you don't see making money wise is uh you don't see making money wise is uh he's over here getting this practice and like just seeing other people and uh, making other people better and that makes you better in return man is he's over here investing he's in our corners he's over here helping us get better and in return it's all helping him too man so it, it's great to have him out there he's a selfless teammate and uh and you can just see his improvements every time he steps in that cage. And he's 24 years old, man. Just turned 24. That kid's the future of the sport for sure, man. And he's officially the loudest quarter man in UFC history. Right? That's what I, I like. I was in my car and like the sun was in my eyes a little bit. And I'm like, should I can go inside? And you can hear Yusef over the phone the whole entire time, too. So. <laughs> but yeah, it was so funny. After after he cornered Devontae, everybody asked who's Devontae's annoying corner? <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I'm like, yeah, that's what you have to deal with every day. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes when it comes to this fight, I mean, you've watched Kai so many times over the years. You, you know, you, you kind of expected this fight to come at some point. Where do you see your advantages lying in this one? Because you know, most of his finishes have been knockouts or TKOs. He does have one submission on his resume, as I believe. But you know, many look at this fight and the narrative surrounding it is that he has the advantage on the feet. You have the advantage on the mat. Do you feel the same? Um, I bet you any money his submission, he dropped some dude and then like submitted him. He's about to knock him out or right. something too. I'm, I'm curious to see what that submission is. But uh, for, for my corner, like like my corners usually break down stuff and like give me a game plan on how to go about things. And uh, this time they told me to just have fun. I'm better than him everywhere. And I, I honestly believe that too. I think I'm, I think I beat him everywhere. I think he's good. I think he's a good technical kickboxing striker. And I think if it hits the mat, I obviously have the big advantage. That being said is I don't think I've ever seen Kai Car France's ground game, man. He's so good at keeping it. He has a 90% takedown finish or uh, takedown defense in UFC, man. Um, so uh, you don't get to see his ground game. Probably know he's like a black belt and I, it goes to the ground. He jumps guard and triangles me or some crazy shit. But uh, I assume I have a huge, a huge uh, advantage on the ground. And as far as striking goes, I think I'm just way more creative than him. I think he has a very much like a, he has a huge bomb, sets up that right hand perfectly, and he does a lot of great things technically. And uh, and just like what you want to see in any kickboxing fighter, but he doesn't like, 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 I, like I fight, I, I, uh, but I fight like different, man. I, I have like a style. I fight with swagger and stuff, and I fight a little off rhythm. And like I said, he fights very much on a rhythm and, uh, which is good. He fights super technical, and that's how you want every kickboxing. Like, if I'm teaching a kid kickboxing. I want him to fight like Kai Car France, but he definitely needs a little bit more of that like creativity to him. And I think that's where I where I stride and where I can capitalize on him. Do you feel like, in a weird way, because 
this card is so massive and Dana White's putting a lot of emphasis on it. You see the promos and stuff like that. Do you feel in a way, and I don't even know if you feel this kind of pressure or maybe it excites you in a way. Do you feel like you're representing the entire division here? Like this is, you know, on this massive spot right before the two title fights, this is a chance to be like, Hey, for all you naysayers about this division, watch this. This is going to be ridiculous. I think I always carry a little bit of that weight on my shoulders, but I think now that naturally comes from me. I don't think I have to go out there and be exciting, especially against a guy like High Car France. Is not anything I have to worry about. Um, that's going to come natural, man. I move forward. I like. I don't necessarily like brawling. It's just something that happens. But uh, I have a little bit of a go forward mentality and throw a lot of punches mentality, and I think that leads to exciting fight uh, uh, fights. And I think I'm an exciting fighter and. Uh, I don't necessarily think it, I'm trying to represent the flyweight division, but I do have that in the back of my head always. Like, you want the flyweights to look good. I think with a guy like Kai Car France, it's going to be no question. This is going to be a good fight. Like, I already know. I already know. I can't. Like, my, my style versus his style is going to lead to a fucking exciting fight. I, I think I'm out there to try to make a, a showcase for myself today. I think I think that uh, next week or in two more weeks, it, it's all about making a showcase for myself and making names for myself and creating a future for myself and a path for myself and starting to get uh, fans, followers, all this stuff that are going to enhance my future and um, make my future better, you know? What's kind of your mental approach like? Because the last time I talked to you, I, I couldn't get it out of my head the way you approach fights as you're getting ready to fight. Like you said, like, I hate... I hate this effing sport. I don't want to be here. And then, like, once you get in there, it's like a whole new ball game. What's it like, like, at this point in the preparation? Like, do you have those thoughts, or does it happen like right before you, you get ready to make the walk? Um, at this point, man, like, at this point, at the beginning of practice, I looked at my teammate and like, I'm not even beginning, like, middle of practice, we we're like going over some stuff and like. Uh, I, have a, I have a great teammate and you, you, we're, we're talking about game plans and stuff I, my coaches say have my way with them this is a perfect fight for me perfect matchup but me and my teammates have been like me and one of my good teammates Clay have been coming up with the game plan the whole entire time but like in the middle of the day I'm like god damn this fucking sucks man like I don't know man. I love this sport so much and like uh, I, I'll always be passionate I'll do martial arts the day I die but like fighting is like anxiety struck man and like I'm over here I'm cutting weight I'm scrawny as fuck and uh, I'm over here like drilling, trying to like make these last minute improvements or just just stay sharp before I go out there and have this fight. And uh, I don't know, you like like I said, it's just it's a little hard. Like it gets in, you get in your head a little bit. And like I always think of it as like this guy's like and like this is just the truth. Like I'm not trying to think of it like people say that fighting's not personal. And like I, I do like I'm sure if me and Kai Car France were in a room together, like he'd be the coolest motherfucker in the room for sure. Like I remember him in the Ultimate Fighter. He's so cool. But like at this at this point's personal, man. It's super personal. He's trying to take my dreams away, man. Everything I've ever worked for, and like, I always think about I always think about that before I fight, and it's just like always anxiety struck, and like, it turns into be a little bit fun, and this is like it's getting. I think it gets a little easier because when you're when you're when you're interviewing me for the LFA and stuff, it's like, what happens if I lose the LFA title fight, man? Do I go start over again and climb back to go fight for the LFA title fight and then try to get to the UFC, or like, is it over? You know what I'm saying? And like. That's the honest to God truth between some of those fights is like this could be a fight, like a career ending fight, you know, and uh, it's not necessarily like that way anymore. Like I'm I'm fighting number six in the world. Like I can still make a quick bounce back, you know, or at the very least, I'm still in the UFC making money and fighting the best in the world. And uh, I, I think a little bit of anxiety is taken away just because where I'm at. But at the same time, it's also like it, it's and it's, it's taken away a little bit by like what I'm doing right now, too, is because. 
I get nervous, but at the same time, I'm fighting on fucking pay-per-view and Adesanya is up next, man. Like, <laughs> like that's the coolest shit I could have. When I, when I dreamed of doing this sport when I was younger, it wasn't even like this. I was just trying to kick my brother's ass and get an advantage in high school so I wasn't fucking walking around like a little, like, sissy, you know, or whatever. I wasn't, like, looking to get picked on or I didn't want to get punked or, you know. Uh, I didn't expect it to go this far, man. And the fact that it is this far, I just, I keep shocking myself. And, like, uh, I want to win, and I know I could beat some of these guys, and I know I could beat Kai Car France. I know I have more skills to beat Kai Car France. But if I win or when I win or whatever it is, I know I'm going to be fucking shocked and just like, oh, my God, am I number fucking six or seven in the world right now? And, like, it, it's cool because it keeps me, like, I don't know, man. It just keeps me, like, I don't know, like, I'm discovering something every day and I'm discovering more in myself. And like, it, it's weird. Cause like, you don't expect, like you don't expect me, like, I don't know, I guess maybe not you, but like, I never really expected much for myself, you know? And like the fact that I'm over here exceeding my goals and my hard work is paying off. And like, when I first started, I was like, I'm not the athletic. I'm not like the, but I'm like, I'm tough. I know I could take an ass whooping and I know that I could work hard. And that was like my whole motivation. When I first started, uh, started training in May I was like I could outwork these guys and I could take an ass whooping like I'll get I'll get good you know and like and it's just like it happened in years and years of just doing that and just uh and making these improvements and working hard and it's finally paying off and like I said it, it gets a little bit easier to make that walk out there for sure now that I'm like damn this is fucking cool man like there's a camera in my face Adesanya and Paula Coaster up next and like I don't know, man. Like, this is it. I have to, like, sit back a little bit and realize that my dreams are kind of unfolding right around me, you know? And I'm not there, but we're close, man. This is fucking, like, this is really close, man. Like, so I can feel it, man. And I can feel myself touching, like, like just improving and being world class, you know? So you're accepting the fact that you belong here now because you didn't probably yeah, think that way I, before. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's still hard for me to, like, believe. And I'm still like, what the fuck? I'm fighting Kai Car of France, you know? Like, and, like, I don't know. It's it's still like a like it still keeps me humble and shit. But like, yeah, I'm I'm accepting it, man. And like, I'm training with world class. I'm training with Alex Hernandez, and I'm training with Yusuf Zalal. I'm training with fucking other studs that are gonna be stars in the sport one day. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm training with other people that train with other like great people. And like, I'm just brushing shoulder with the best. And like, you get to realize how good you are, you know. And like, and you get to realize that damn these guys are like it's not that like we're all like like i don't know we're all doing this together and i'm hanging around stars man and it's crazy and i don't know it's 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 like weird to accept that this is my life you know are you taking like any time for yourself to sort of visualize that moment right before you walk out when you start to have those doubts and start questioning yourself like you're starting to think ahead here or are you taking the if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of approach to the to the mental side of the game um, to me, um, to me, I'm any time. Like I, I think, feel like I think about fighting too much, and I think I try to step away from it more than anything, because uh, I, I feel like in my like sometimes I just get like in my head I'm over like I'll like meditate on it or I'll be thinking about it and this this and that and I'm like all right well like maybe I should not think about it relax a little bit and like kind of take a take a step outside of the sport for a second and like you know what I'm saying and like I, I feel like maybe it's the other way where I need to work on it more is just stepping outside of the cage and just living life outside the cage a little bit too much too because i feel like everything in my life surrounds this fight and this next moment and getting better at mma and everything's mma you know yeah well now you got this extra free time in your hands normally you get to take that away from with with working at the, the juvenile detention center now you don't have that anymore you gotta find other ways to take your mind off the sport yeah then that's another thing is like yeah i, I i'm doing a lot of other stuff to fill my activity and stuff so like what what else are you doing what's anything so, new? 
yeah, well, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to, so uh, you said, you know, I worked in that juvenile uh, correction facility. It's just something I was really passionate about. I really like that. Like, it was a really cool job as much as I like hate it working, but I just hate it because I just didn't sleep, you know, and there's, there's not enough hours and day to accomplish what I need to accomplish. But uh, just trying to get back with the gang refor- uh, reformation and just stuff to like help keep kids out of gangs. There's a big gang problem and a big uh, violence problem the last couple of years in Denver. And uh, just anyway, I can stay active in that is really what I'm trying to become a part of. And like I said, some of these kids, man, they have a lot of talent and like they just don't have belief in themselves. And I, I even think like seeing some guy like me who's maybe not the most intelligent person or whatever it is, but they're seeing, they saw me make sacrifices in the juvie where like I was working around a full time and the schedule's working out. They flipped the schedule and it didn't work out around my training. So I had to work overnights and they realized I wasn't sleeping. And like, I talked to them about it. Like I wasn't sleeping, but like, I was like, Hey, I have a dream man. I have something I got to accomplish. And they, they got to see me step away. And like, maybe they can see that that sacrifice and hard work that if they make that, they can do this too, you know, or not necessarily the sport, but whatever, you know, like whatever it is. Have it, have any of those kids that you worked with in the past, have they like, started training or anything like that that you know did anyone come to factory x and be like brandon told me about it and not, not anyone training and i don't know if it's the best idea to kind of like have them all over at like at the gym and stuff but like i, I no not necessarily not training or anything um but it's something i've talked to him about and i think it is a good like it's good it's good for some of these kids to like release anger man and just like some of those kids can fight man that's another thing and like a lot of those kids can fight like like they're not stranger to fighting like those kids fight every day man so might as well get good at it and like learn a discipline and uh maybe find a new path in life you know yeah make better decisions when those times come yeah because you know? yeah, like and especially if you're a gang man fighting's inevitable they're fighting every day you know and if they're lucky it's a fight you know otherwise they're getting shot at and that's just a sad reality of what's going on with these kids these days in denver every weekend some kids getting shot or some kids dying and there's not drive-bys where it's 20 year old 18 year olds they're all 17 16 year old kids man 13 year olds and up you know and it's it's super sad to see and like i said these are kids that i've worked with i've seen a, a kid passed away this last weekend that i worked with for two years and got shot in his apartment and uh that's a kid who i believed in and wholeheartedly knew he could do change the fucking world man that kid's uh, a leader and me and him butt heads constantly and uh, it was one of those situations where it was definitely a power struggle with that kid but like I still saw what he had, man. He had a great view. Like, he, he could have done anything, man. He was a go-getter, and it sucks to see that he chose, he went out and went right back to the gang life, and his life ended because of it, you know? Sorry to hear that, man. That sucks. No. It, and it's like I said, it's, it's, it happens, man. I think I've worked there for two years, and I've seen four kids that all died, all gunshots, all gun gun violence. Well, you get a chance to, to motivate these kids and other kids around the world. How do you do that next Saturday night heading into these title fights? How does this thing all play out with uh, with Kai Car France? I think I'm just going to be too much for him. I think I'm going to overwhelm him, and I think that he's going to fall right into my game plan and fall right into my traps, man. And if not, it's going to be a brawl. So <laughs> and if not, he's whooped my ass, then it's going to be a brawl, and that's the only way it's going to be about it. So how I do it is I'm going to go in there uh, and just do me, man, go out there, have fun, and just try to find that flow state and just, you know, live it up in there, man my dream this is it man like fucking enjoy every moment of everything that's coming my way so i I wanted to switch gears and get your take on something if i could before we let you go because before you guys head to abu dhabi and we get fight week underway for ufc 253 this saturday night is a huge card we got the grudge match between colby covington and tyron woodley at the apex what do you think man who takes that one fuck i think colby takes it (laughs) Uh, I'm not. I'm not hyped about it, but I think Kobe takes it. But yeah, why? He's just he's one of those guys. He puts on a quantity, man. He's 
he like then uh, like I said I fuck I hope Colby takes it we all we, I think we all know he's a good guy and all that but uh um he's just he's just too much man he overwhelms people he he does a lot man he's good he's a stud wrestles he he's one of those guys that is a nightmare to fight it's a nightmare matchup for me like a guy like that is like the absolute worst person that i want to fight because it's going to take you down throw 100 punches when you get up and throw two punches go right back for a takedown he's just a grinder man it's hard to fight guys like that and uh do you know who's like that was tim Elliott. tim Elliott's just like that man a grinder instead of my fucking face and it's hard to get an offense going when you're on defense the whole time and i think that's what's going to be Excellent insight, my man. Always appreciate you jumping on. Great fight next weekend in a in a primo spot, which is well deserved. I don't care what you tell yourself or anybody else. This is a great spot for you, and I wish you all the best on Fight Island and safe travels to Abu Dhabi, man. Hey, bro, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you always doing these interviews with me, man. I get excited to talk to you every fight. It's like it's like pre-fight ritual. I'm gonna go talk to my heck, man. So <laughs> I appreciate it, bro, man. We're we're growing in this sport together. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and just a quick shout out to uh, EAP Glass. Um, another thing is that uh, to become a full-time fighter, I got a cool sponsor, and it's a glass company, uh, Denver, uh, Ed and Ed and Cyrus. Man, they're looking out, and they said they're fight fans, and it, they reached out to me, man, and just sponsored me and helped me on a week-to-week basis. And I couldn't have done any of this without them. Always a fun, open, and honest discussion with Brandon Royval. I mean, just one of the things that fascinates me about the sport is diving into the mindset of a fighter because it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy i mean it's pretty crazy you get a guy like brandon royval who just wins a lot of fights and he's one of the top 25ers in the world like before he got to the ufc one of the top prospects i've been singing i I was one of those guys singing his praises before i even started interviewing him i knew how good he was i knew he'd get there eventually i couldn't believe they were going to put him on the contender series but he got to skip that. He fought Tim Elliott, and here we are. And the fact that he's gone through spurts where he just never believed that he should be there, I just I think that's awesome. Or I think that's so fascinating. I really do. But he seems to be getting better with that, and I can't wait for that fight with Kai Kara France. But we have one more interview to go, or we're going to sort of wrap things up here in Command Center 2.0 before that happens. Always appreciate everybody checking out all these shows on the MMAfighting.com family of, of podcast shows like this one, Between the Links, A-Side, on to the next one, preview and post shows. It means a lot, and uh, we're going to keep plugging away. So as this drops, it is Thursday morning. My man Jose Young's in Las Vegas. We will have the Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley press conference later on today. Weigh-ins tomorrow, preview show tomorrow. Fights on Saturday, then Jose is on to Fight Island. So for those who keep asking, where are your weigh-in videos? Are you covering the weigh-ins? We will be. You're getting them for the next several weeks, so don't you worry about that. But we're going to wrap things up by replaying my chat with Mike Rodriguez. And you all know what happened in that fight with Ed Herman by now, this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 10. But I got the chance to chat with him earlier this week for the show. We decided to drop it exclusively a few days early but if you missed it here it is enjoy and as always have a heck of a week everybody all right so saturday night had a lot of memorable moments in las vegas some good 
some really bad and the latter has to do with a main card bout that took place in the 205 pound division featuring this man mike rodriguez who took on ed herman it looked as if he finished the fight in the second round after a couple of brutal knees to the body unfortunately referee chris tyone thought he saw a low blow and it ended with ed herman picking up this crazy submission in the third round but happy to be joined by mike rodriguez right now less than 48 hours removed from that crazy turn of events hi mike how are you man I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I, I like the uh, the subtle shirt wearing with the uh, oh, diamond, the diamond cup, cup and the May shirt. I, oh. <laughs> I had to drop it. I had to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely played. Nicely played. But we'll uh, we'll get into the chaos in a moment. But I just want to say I, I thought you looked outstanding in the fight on Saturday night. I'd say it was your best performance in the UFC, no doubt about it. But on our preview show on Friday, one of the things I was intrigued about in this fight was because of Ed's durability, how things would look if it got out of the first round and into the second round, maybe in the third round. Second round, you look sensational. You look better in the second round than you did in the first round. How did it feel to, I know the result didn't turn out the way you wanted, but how did it sort of feel to answer those questions about your cardio, the longevity of these fights? Because getting out of the first round, it seems like you're even getting, getting even stronger as the, as the fight went on. Yeah, I um I knew well first things first, like um <clears throat> we knew he was durable as hell. We knew that. Um I hit him with a shot. I know I hit him with that elbow in the first round. So that was playing in my mind that I already hit him with that shot. So I'm like, all right, cool. Let's um when we go into the second round, let's let's turn it up. So Mays, my boxing coach, he's always talking about going into that second gear as the rounds go on, going that second gear. So, you know, I just started putting the pressure on him and I wanted, I, <clears throat> I don't know if I told you when I interviewed, but I wanted a second round finish. So, you know, I, I wanted to attack that body some more. I did some damage to it already in the first round, and I just wanted to keep pressing on it in the second. And I thought I had the holy grail. I thought I hit it. I thought it was over in a second. But, uh, yeah, that, that was the whole game plan, and I just executed the game plan. Because you've been watching Ed compete for years and years. You watched him in high school on The Ultimate Fighter, and you knew how tough he was. Were you yeah. even more surprised with his durability in the fight? Did it actually exceed your expectations? Yeah, there was one point I'm thinking of fight. I'm like, holy hell, I hit this dude with everything. How is he still standing? And he was still there, man. He was still there. But I, I just... I then I kind of got in the mindset of like, uh, like no offense to him, but like heavy bag, like just hitting a heavy bag, like just hit him, just hit him, just place it there, place things there, place things there, place things there, and I just that's how I just kept doing it, just kept, because after that I hit him with that elbow, I thought it could have been done there, honestly, but. Nah, man, he was still in that fight. <laughs> I don't know how he recovered from that, but yeah. Let's uh, let's just get uh, address the elephant in the room. Let's get into the moments everybody wants to know about. So, Edge. What surprised me about the fight is Ed chose to spend a lot of time in the clinch, especially since your last fight went so well for you in the clinch. But so for those who don't know, I'm sure you all know by now. But you have his back against the ca- the, the against the cage. You're landing. You land a pair of nasty knees to the body. The second one drops him to the mat, and you're getting ready to finish the fight, and Chris Dione steps in to seemingly stop it, and you're getting ready to celebrate, and Chris calls time, and you question. You're like, time? What are you talking about? He says, he just yells out the word nuts, and Ed takes the allotted time. What the hell is going on in your mind at this moment? I assume you're watching the replay over and over again like the rest of us. What is happening in your mind at this point? So... For, so first of all, Tim, like I'm, you know, I'm a good sport. I don't want to be known as like a cheater or anything. So 
my team, one of my teammates, Ross Levine, we did rounds for the uh, Pechino fight, and I hit him in that same exact way, and I hit him in the balls twice, back to back in sparring. So I'm like, so I just instantly, when he said nuts, I instantly had a recap of that, and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, it could have been, it could have been. And so I'm sitting back, I'm like, you know, my bad or whatever. Then something told me to look up at the screen, because my corner was like, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. I look at the screen, I'm like, oh, that was all liver. And then I, I like, at first I did get my emotions involved in it, that he was milking the clock. But then I was like, you know what? We got to fight. We're still fighting. Like they're giving him five minutes. You take this five minutes, you rest, calm your heart rate down and let's get back in there. So I, I just, I had to look at it as that, like the show must go on. Like it's whatever, you know? Are you trying to talk to Chris at that moment? Are you saying like, dude, are you watching this replay right now? Like, no, I didn't even say anything to him. I was just like, whatever, just keep moving. Like, I, I worry about, I'm I'm like, I'll let my management and coaches and stuff deal with that afterwards. I'm, I got to be finished. I got to finish Ed. So that was like on my mind is finish him in that round. When, when there's a stop in the action like that, there can't be any coaching at all. And I know Joe is, Joe Lozon is a pretty calm, cool, collected guy most of the time, but he's your coach. Yeah. So I'm sure he's pretty irate. Steve Mays, as you mentioned, is in your corner. <laughs> I met Steve years and years ago when I was like 18 years old. Yeah. I even went on Twitter. I'm like, I've met Steve Mays. He must be losing his mind right now. Oh, Were they yelling at the referee? They, uh, they, they, they said a, a something. I don't really remember, but, um, all I all I remember the coach saying in return, like, hey, stop coaching, stop coaching. Um, they could have been possibly telling me something, like kick him there again or something. But yeah, it just they just was like, this is bullshit. Everybody was pissed about it. Everybody. Steve's got that baseball background too, so you know it must yeah. be tough for him to like. <laughs> to, like to I even that. heard because where I stopped that, uh Bisping was behind me. I even heard Bisping saying, like, oh, Ed is milking this while it's worth right now. Like, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, they all sucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ed was badly hurt in that scenario. And even after the yeah. fight, when he spoke with Bisbing, he admitted that he was hurt. But he even said, like, he didn't know whether it was a knee to the body or to the, how should I say this gracefully, the testicular region. So I'm curious. <laughs> did you... Yeah. Did you get where Ed was coming from? Like, do you respect what he did taking that time if he has the chance to recover? Or was there a part of you that lost a little respect for him there? No, I mean, he, they gave him the time. Like, I mean, if you're like, you know what I'm saying? He was like, hey, you know, take five, whatever, and gave him his five minutes. So I'm assuming he took it. He was like, all right, yeah. Because we all knew it was like the beginning to the end. And he was able to get free five minutes from being finished off. So he's like, oh, all right, sick. So it's whatever. I mean, I thought I thought you had it finished like right after that too. You landed a hard body kick like right away. You went back to the body. You drop him again. I thought it yeah. might have been a wrap there, but he survives and then he goes for the takedown in the third round. You're landing that barrage of elbows, a la Travis Brown. Like, what are you thinking about in these spots? Because I mean, this had to have been the most emotional roller coaster of a fight in your entire career. It had to have been, right? I mean, what are you well, thinking? The, so going into the third round, um, reason why I got caught by the Kimura is that I just wanted to finish him. I'm like, I, I got to pour it on him. Put, like, I, I was good. My energy was great. Uh, gas tank was good. I'm like, we're going to finish him right now. And so I just went out there and tried to put as much pressure on him and stuff like that. And um, which ended up resulting in me getting me finished. He, like a veteran move himself. Like, you know, he, he put that Kimura in his pocket and grabbed it. It was good. 
but yeah, I just that's all I want to do is finish them. I want to be on that list of guys that finished them. So when he when he first starts to work for the Kimura, are you just thinking to yourself, "There's no way he has the strength to pull this off right now." Like, there's just no way. And then he did. Like, that's it's just wild to watch. I was, yeah, it was wild. I'm like, he's a nah, he ain't gonna have it. Then he, um, I what I was thinking about trying to do was I was gonna post up on him while he was in that little crack of the cage and just start kneeing his body. And by time, like the ADD mindset I got in here, I got, got hold of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, let me get that. It was too late. He had that Kimura bite on me. And I was like, no. And I'm trying to fight it. And he just peeled it out and he got the sweep. And hey, then are I, you? I just, I was kind of also like after the fight, I didn't even know this after, like, I was like, come on, Ed. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Like he put his foots in the fence to get the sweep. And I'm like, Dude, like you did so good. Like you got the win. Like why? Like why would you do that? It's so that like kind of threw salt on his victory a little bit. I'm like, but that's whatever. How how is the arm? Because I know Dana addressed it in the post fight press conference and said that your arm was okay. That was like the one thing he was really worried about. Was like guy gets yeah. screwed out of a win and then he breaks his arm. I assume the arm's okay. Yeah, yeah, the arm's okay. I, I didn't. I, I could have must like strong manned it, and, but I, I didn't want to break my shoulder at all. Like I just. Didn't think the fight was even worth it. My shoulder getting broken, so I'm like, you know what? Nah, go ahead. Because, you know, I want to fight soon, relatively soon, too. So I was like, all right, I'll let you have it. There you go. I'll admit, and, and I am supposed to be the unbiased journalist here, I was, <laughs> I was pissed on Saturday night. And not just because you're a New England guy like myself. I would have been yeah. pissed for anybody in that situation, but it was just a heartbreaking thing to see. But the good news is the majority of the MMA community, as fickle as it can be, everybody had your back. Even Dana White slamming Chris Tyone said it was Steve Mazzagotti-like, one of the worst things he's ever seen. He, and then when I, when I went into the back room and I saw a doctor, Dana was the first person I saw. The very first person. He was before in before Joe, anybody else. He came in, boom. So I was like, my head was down. The doctor checked my shoulder. I'm like, man, it's, you know, it's whatever, blah, blah. I looked up, Dana was right there. And he had this face, this red B face. And I'm like, and I had to, I'm like, did I do something? I'm like, no, I didn't do anything. He was like, I am so pissed. This is the one of the worst referee I've ever seen. Blah, blah, blah. And he just started going off in this tangent. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> and then before I left, it was like, hey, he's still going to give you your win money. So I was like, oh, shit. Thank you. So, yeah. Does it kind of soften the blow a little bit, having Dana's support and, and everybody else's support? I mean, it's it sucks to have a loss next to your name right now, but does that at least yeah. make it feel a little I, bit better? The more thing that I'm more excited about, that I'm happy about, is that everybody saw me perform and everybody loved my performance. That was the one thing I really cared about. Everybody. Like, I haven't heard a single that anybody's like, man, you're perform you was performing out of this world. You was on fire, blah, blah, blah. I even looked at my stats. I was like, 70% accuracy rate like something like that it was it was ridiculous and I was like oh feels pretty good <laughs> so yeah so uh, immediately after all this unfolds I text your manager Tyson Chartier and I'm like yep. what the f man what was that all about and he goes we're appealing this thing so mm -hmm. after Dana comes out and speaks to the media and says they're going to give you his win money I'm like all right well at least he's getting his win money and he goes yeah I'm like well you're still going to appeal and he said Yes, because he wants to make sure that, in, in essence, what he said was the rules are in force and improved in the sport and that you shouldn't have to go like your topology page and, and see a loss next to your name. Are you happy with the fact that this is still getting appealed? And two, 
what are the chances that this gets overturned in your opinion? It's not like overturns haven't happened in the sport, but this is a, a pretty unique situation. I think if it does get, I think it'll become an NC. Yeah. Uh, and, um, if it does, it does. It's whatever. Um, I'm just already like, I'm just past it. I'm ready to go and fight again. Like I'm, I'm already locked in my mind fight. I like, I'm here. My wife, she's like, Oh, like you, why are you like pantsing around? I'm like, I'm still in fight week mode. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm still ready to fight, you know? So yeah, I just, I'm just trying to gear back up. So I'm going to do all the, all the medical procedures, check everything out, make sure I'm good. And then get right back to another camp. Stop beefing again. Do you feel like you won? Like, are, do you feel like you're sitting at home right now with the wind under your belt, despite of what the record shows? Yes. yes. That's <laughs> the weird thing about it. It's like, I feel like I won. Like, I don't, like, you know, like every fight I get those lost blues, didn't have them, did not have them at all. I felt like amazing. I went back to the hotel and I was unpacking my stuff, running around the hotel um, suite with a beer and my boxers. It was great. I was fine. <laughs> I was good. <laughs> what kind of beer did you go with? I mean, if it, if you felt like a it's win, a, it's got to be a celebratory it was, beer. Uh, it was a, a local brewery out there, uh, like Lamplight Brewery or something like that. I don't remember the name of the beer. I don't remember the name of the beer. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. But yeah, I was just hanging out. Totally. So one of the things, like one of the things I kept seeing on social media, it was like most people had your back, and it seemed like the solution was to just run it back with Ed. Like, would you yeah. even want to run it back with him? Like, I don't know how motivated you would be for that, since you and and many others uh, felt that you dominated that fight. Would that even interest you? Not really. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I already beat him. I feel like I, I beat him. You know, I, uh, if like, if like they, if like my, the bosses was asking like, Oh, do you want to run it back to Ed, whatever, blah, blah, like, or if there was like, yo, we think that'll be a good matchup. Then yeah, I'll do it for being a company guy. But no, I think I'm over and done with it. It happened. It happened. But if you look at it, he won, which he did technically, but technically he didn't. So I don't know. I'm just moving on from the whole situation. <laughs> So what are you looking at now? Is there anybody that sticks out to you that you want to get back in there and try to get this taste out of your mouth? The only thing I'm, that sticks out to me is getting cleared by the doctor. I got That's my fight right now. So let me get cleared by him, then we can start looking at potential matchups and stuff. Good to be home, though, right? Oh, yeah. It's really good to be home. Patriots won. Cam Newton era has begun. Celtics getting ready to crush the heat. I mean, New England cartel's got a lot of momentum. A lot yeah. of momentum. A lot of good things going on. A lot of good things. A lot of good things. My man Piva's fighting uh, yeah. tomorrow. And Randy's on Saturday. It's a lot of good things. Here we come. Here comes New England. Uh, Mike, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you coming on talking about this. I'm sure there's yeah. a million other things you'd rather be discussing right now than rehashing no, the right. chaos of Saturday night. But it's I cool. guess to, to, to I'm sure you're probably going to do more interviews about this. But what's sort of the message for everybody following Saturday night so you can start the process or at least continue the process of putting this all behind you and, and moving forward here? Um, I would just say, you know, it happened. It was an awkward moment in our sport. Uh, we should just accept it. Just move right along. Don't send Ed Herman no hate messages or anything. Please don't. He's a good dude. He All he did was get an opportunity. He just capitalized on it. That was it. Um, but, yeah, that's it. There you go. Thanks, Mike. I wish we were uh, officially recapping a victory here, which I guess we kind of are, in your opinion, and most others. But you looked yeah. fantastic in the fight. And uh, best you. of luck to you in the appeal and, and for whatever's next for you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you. 
You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.